Late Night Podcasting. You know I love it. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, D-Roy. Find me on Twitter at RoyDog underscore 13. That is R-O-Y-D-A-W-G underscore 1-3. And this is week four of the XFL. Going to make this quick. It is late Friday night. I am tired. I've been going through not only XFL, but going through the NFL Combine stuff. And, of course, my mind, which can't stop working, uh figured out a way to put a spreadsheet together for everybody. So yes, there will be another spreadsheet that's going to come out um, probably late in the week. I'm probably going to take the full week to go through it and get it all finished up. Just kind of run through the positions uh, that they were testing and stuff like that and just any notes uh, from what I saw from individual drills and stuff. Uh say the pass catching and the you know run and pass blocking drills stuff like that defensive drills all that stuff so but uh this is xfl so let's get going here we're going to start at quarterback number one on the board is going to be philip walker uh there's no way that you cannot include him until that offense decides to fail so he is at the top of the charts next on the list is going to be josh johnson this is kind of more uh, in line with the Saturday-only slate, where he is the top-priced quarterback for the slate, but he is also the best option available. Um, going against the New York Guardians, we know that uh, quarterbacks generally are able to get the job done, so uh, definitely in play. Uh, last but certainly not least on the other side of the Houston-Dallas game is going to be Landry Jones. Um, he's basically the only other one that I can see that's viable. That game should shoot out. Um, so if you want to save some money off of Philip Walker, but still get your hands on, say, Cam Phillips and stuff like that, uh, definitely consider Jones in this spot. Moving on to running back, top of the board. In terms of price, remember we're using the DK prices, working from the top down. Uh, is Matt Jones. He is questionable. He's been limited with the knee. That was the same as last week. Uh, the Seattle Dragons have gotten increasingly worse as the season's gone on, uh, facing the run defense and now or uh, facing uh, running games. So now they're facing a Battlehawks team that is number one in the league in rushing. So uh, expect a lot of output from Matt Jones and probably some output, you know, decent output from Christine Michael. So, uh, Lance Dunbar is next on the list. He's the fourth highest priced running back on DK. The matchup isn't all that great with Houston. The thing that I like about Dunbar is that he's cheaper than Cam, uh, Cameron Artis Payne, uh, who would be the higher pri- or who would be the higher owned running back in that backfield, but I like Dunbar's pass-catching ability with 
Landry Jones at quarterback, and that's why I'm kind of leaning towards him, especially if you're going for, like, say, a full game stack. I would probably get Dunbar involved here. Next we have is uh, Devion Smith from Tampa. Uh, Again, uh, defenders are pretty decent against running backs. The thing that you have to look at here now is that if you go to the DVP rankings for both FanDuel and DK, you'll notice that the uh, defenders are second worst against the running back uh, as far as points allowed. But then if you look at uh, rushing yards allowed, um, they're number one in the league, and then they're fourth against their fourth best against running backs in the receiving game. So that means that they're still allowing touchdowns, goal line type opportunities. I think the defenders can get the ball down there, and I, or uh, the Vipers can get the ball down there, even with Aaron Murray back at quarterback. Um, and then they should rely on Devion and uh, Jacques Patrick. I don't hate as well. Um, I'm just leading more with the more talented running back, in my opinion. Now we get to Christine Michael. He's the other Battlehawks running back. Um, I don't mind if you pay, if you think of pairing the St. Louis running backs. That has worked in the past, um, especially like last week. Um, Battlehawks should be on top of uh, Seattle all day. Uh, this game is in St. Louis, so I would expect the same type of thing that happened last week against the Guardians to handle to happen against Seattle. Um, probably not going to keep them down nearly as much in points, but um, definitely I think they're going to be playing from ahead. They're going to be pretty comfortable with it. <coughs> last but certainly not least, we have Larry Rose. Um, he is for the L.A. Wildcats. There's a lot of injuries here. Uh, Martez Carter was the big... Um, free agency pickup for seasonal this week. Excuse me. Uh, but he is dealing with a hip injury. He did not participate in practice. He is doubtful. He's more than likely not going to be playing, of course. And then Elijah Hood was fine uh, to start the week, and then he had a setback with his ankle, so he is now listed as questionable. So I would expect Larry Rose to be the lead back. Uh, for the LA Wildcats, I would expect them to be heavily involved. Uh, we generally like to have our running backs against the Guardians. Moving on to wide receiver, Cam Phillips to Nibby say more. Um, nobody's been able to defend him yet. Uh, set four wide receiver set that's killing a lot of these teams, and they can't cover it with uh, safety help. So you're going to have him, especially PJ Walker, can run. So. Um, they're going to have to make sure to contain him, uh, which should uh, give Cam Phillips all the ability to get the job done again this week. Next, we have is Eli Rogers. He's not my favorite wide receiver, um, but as far as for the defenders, he's been the most consistently targeted wide receiver on the team, and the numbers don't lie. <clears throat> three, the first three weeks, six, eight, and six. Uh, that is a target share percentage of 23%, 22%, and 21%. So when you're getting a fifth of the target share, uh, that means that the quarterback will consistently 
keep trying to get the ball to you week in and week out. Um, that is part of the new statistic uh, that I had installed into the uh, spreadsheet pack. So uh, definitely take a look in there. <coughs> he is expensive, which should keep his ownership down. Um, but definitely viable if you want to get a piece of attacking Tampa Bay. Next we have is Khalil Lewis. This is the teammate of Cam Phillips. He is the second most targeted wide receiver on Houston. And again, numbers numbers are not going to lie here. Uh, six, six targets, seven targets, nine targets. So he's gone up each week. That's a target share of 15%, 23%, and 25%. Um, so he works in either if you want to pair with Cam Phillips on there and just kind of control both wide receivers. Um, they don't utilize the tight end, tight end at all. Um, I'm not worried about guys like Sammy Coates, Nick Holly, uh, even Sam Mobley or anybody like that. So, and like I've said before, this game has the potential to be the best game on the slate, uh, best game of the year. Uh, expecting a shootout here, so lots of points. Uh, next we have is Austin Prohl for Seattle. If Seattle wants to stay in the game with the Battle Hawks, they are going to have to get Pearl, keep uh, Prohl involved here. Um, his target share has been pretty consistent, 25%, 22%, and 21%. Um, now in week two, he only had four targets, but you have to remember that that's the game that they ran away with um, with their home opener. Uh, the games that he's been playing behind, he's had 10 targets and seven targets in those games. So um, he's been the highest, he's been the high, highest targeted uh, wide receiver for the team. So I would expect that to continue this week in St. Louis. Next we have is Jeff Bidette. Uh Jeff Bidette is kind of a problem. Um, he's very talented. I like, I like Bidette. Uh, the issue is that the team never really is never seems to really want to get him involved. They got him involved in week two, um, where he had a twenty three percent target share, and that was second to Donald Parham at tight end. Now, <clears throat> you look at week one; he had four targets. That was only for nine percent. Now that was with uh, uh, Philip Nelson at quarterback, not Landry Jones. So the first week with Landy Jones, he got the nine targets, six receptions for 23% target share. Uh, but last week, he only had four targets uh, for two receptions, 10% target share. Everything pretty much went to Donald Parham and the running backs. That's kind of been the problem. So it's really you trusting it, whether or not they're going to try and get him involved. Uh, the running backs do have a, a poor matchup this week with Houston's front uh, front seven. And then tight end on paper looks bad. Okay, so if you if you want to fade Parham, then you're expecting Jeff Bidette or a guy like Flynn Nagel, who was also written up, uh, to get the job done outside of Parham. For the Vipers, I have Dan Williams. And I struggled with this between him and Jalen Tolliver. Reason being, if you look, if you go from Tolliver to Williams each week for target percentage share. Uh, it's 22 to 25, so that favored Dan Williams. Week two, it was 12%, 12%, so they were tied. Last week was 35%, 19%, with the winner being Tolliver. 
<coughs> the last two weeks have been without Aaron Murray. So now we're getting Aaron Murray back. Which means I'm going to put Dan Williams back into play. It scares the shit out of me. Because Tolliver could get the job done too. And he's cheaper. But... I'm going to go ahead and just use Dan Williams again. Um, when the Vipers have had to pass, he has been involved. He's been getting the job done, whether or not it's with the conversions um, or the short-range touchdowns in the red zone. So uh, Williams is going in. I'm keeping Jalen Tolliver out. If you want to use Jalen Tolliver, I would not talk you out of it. Like I said, it is really, really paper-thin close. So... Um, do what you feel more comfortable with. But like I said, my choice is Dan Williams. Uh, back to the defenders. <coughs> and I apologize, I'm dealing with cold. Uh, we have DeAndre Tompkins, uh, who kind of fell back a little bit last week. Week two, he had a 24% target share with nine. And last week, he had an 11% target share with only three. So that was half of what Eli Rogers had. That's why I'm kind of leaning more Rogers. Now, the thing that I like with Tompkins, especially on DK, is that his price is still really low, and I don't know why. I do not know why. So if you're looking kind of paid-on option at 5200 um, I think Tompkins is in play, um, but I would do it only if you don't have Eli Rogers in there. Uh, we talked about Flynn Nagel. He has been the best ride receiver so far for the Renegades, uh, but he still lags behind the targets compared to Bidette. The running backs, uh, both uh, Cameron Artis Payne and Lance Dunbar, and primarily uh, Donald Parham. All right, almost here. We got Trey McBride for the LA Wildcats against the New York Guardians. Um, Nelson Spruce is gone, and we saw that Josh Johnson kind of um, gravitated over to Trey McBride. So I'm going to take that as he likes Trey McBride more than he likes Jordan Smallwood and Adonis Jennings. The guy that's going to be moving up into the slot is going to be uh, one Jalen Green. So... Oh, I didn't even mark Trey McBride as a starter. How terrible is that? He's better than Smallwood. He's better than Jennings. Trey McBride has some all upside. He showed it last week. So you're going to give me him against the Guardians defense? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go ahead and put it in there. He's only 4,700 bucks on DK. You can see on FanDuel for the Sunday or for the uh, Saturday only, he has 12 bucks. He's the second highest priced uh, wide receiver. So. Uh, last but certainly not least is one Austin Duke for the for the Guardians. Um, this is kind of a a hope and a prayer hail Mary type play. Austin Duke does have the ability to grab a short pass and take it to the red zone or take it to the end zone. Um, we have no Matt McGloin this week, so. Based on the depth charts, you would expect that Marquise Williams would hit the uh, field 
I would almost expect him to split reps with uh, Luis Perez. I like Luis Perez more. Um, you're getting a very big discount on Austin Duke in the slot. Luis Perez and Fout was the guy that was getting Austin Duke involved. Um, Austin Duke was the one who caught the lone touchdown in last week's game. So you look over at FanDuel, Saturday-only slate. He's $13. He's the 10th highest-priced wide receiver. And then over on DK, he's only 3300 bucks. So he's the 42nd highest-priced uh, wide receiver over there. That's hell of a saving, especially if you want to go up to Cam Phillips and Phillip Walker or stack that um, Houston-Dallas game in general. So uh, definitely consider that an option. I know SJ Green didn't work out last week. I didn't know he was going to be inactive. Um, I would try to stay more on top of it tomorrow or today. Whenever you listen to the podcast, it's going to be today. It's going to be Saturday the 29th. Uh, come on. Tight end, without a shadow of a doubt, Donald Parham. <coughs> and I'm going to read this word for word on why he's included, why I'm not going to fade him. You know, I might keep him out of a lineup or two, but I'm going to primarily probably have Donald Parham involved. And here it is. There's no denying that Parham has been the best tight end in the league. Houston is the second-best defense against tight ends, but they faced an L.A. team that doesn't utilize the tight end, and the same goes for the Battle Hawks. In Week 3, they faced a Tampa Bay team that didn't have Nick Truesdale due to injury. Parham may lose some ownership due to the matchup ratings, but he is definitely Jones' main guy to target, and I'm willing to pay for him in almost every lineup. Makes sense? If you go back and you look, and that's why you guys get the defensive charts, you know, included too. That's the tab. That's the fourth tab. This is the DEF um, tab, and you could go uh, right to the Houston, right to the Houston Roughnecks part. You can look right at the defense, and you can see that Los Angeles, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay, and you can see that they just do not utilize the tight end almost all the way straight across Tampa Bay, of course, was because of the injury. Now, outside of using Parham, the only thing I would probably do is maybe use one of these two guys. I'm not telling you you have to use these. I'd probably rather use the wide receiver value, to be honest, because there's not much upside here. But Marcus Lucas does have, uh, for St. Louis, does have the best um, matchup this week, if I'm not mistaken. Is it him or is it Goolsby? Do, 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 do. What am I looking at? Oh my God. Yeah, here we go. Um, faces the worst defense against the tight end. They give up 14.73 on FanDuel and 16.73 on DK, and that's points allowed to the tight end position. Uh, they allow the most receiving yards at 67.333. Um, yeah, and uh, let's see, total passing yards. There's six in the league at 227 yards, so uh, definitely an opportunity there if you want to punt. He is the number one tight end on the Sunday only, or the Saturday only slate, which is weird to me. But, um, He's only twenty seven. He's the twenty seventh highest priced uh, wide receiver slash tight end slash flat slash flex, 
at 4200 bucks. Now, the same is going to go for DeAndre Goolsby in the matchup against the defenders. This is more of a opportunity play. The defenders are fifth in points allowed to the uh, tight end position. That's at 4.8 and 6.5, so it's a lot less, right? So they allow 33.667 yards to the tight end, uh, fifth again. They've been pretty consistent, fifth and fourth. It's kind of, you know, flip-flopped in there. So Goolsby is going to be like your complete punt. <coughs> Not a lot of upside in my opinion. But the thing of it is with Nick Truesdale out um, and Truesdale being one guy that he was really heavily targeting um, in week one, that makes me think that Goolsby might be in play, especially if you need a punt. Hey, if I, if I could get four points out of Goolsby, I'll take it. All right, last position is defense. No-nonsense type thing. It goes by price. We go Battlehawks, Defenders, Wildcats. Battlehawks um, face it Seattle. Seattle's offense has sputtered for the most part, while St. Louis defense has looked pretty good lately. Uh, defenders is completely because of the Vipers. Um, and will the defenders bounce back from that embarrassing loss to the L.A. Wildcats? I don't think the Vipers are going to get up on them like L.A. was able to with the turnovers. As long as they can take care of the ball, then they should be more focused and bounce back from that loss. Uh, Wildcats, this is the use of defense versus the Guardians theory. It's worked so far this season outside of Vipers in Week 1, which was somewhere I wanted to attack in week one but uh uh the last two weeks has been very very good so it's definitely an option it's the third highest price defense there's no bones about it if you wanted to punt at defense to save some money i don't blame you uh, but these are the three that have the best matchups as far as in my opinion so that's it that's the rundown wanted to make sure i got a podcast out here but um definitely hit me up in the in the um full-time dfs slack chat or uh just go ahead and dm me on twitter at roydog underscore 13 but until then hey let's go win some damn money <laughs>